The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spa, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan and it's great to be here with you today. I'm so glad you could join me. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern. You're going to learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, first up, we're going to talk a little bit about an Ad Age article that I talked about last week. And for those of you who missed that uh, show, it's called What Your Favorite Social Network Says About You. And this was just a really dense article by Beth Snyder Bullock in which there's so much information. I really couldn't get through it all last week. But it's about a new study by Anderson Analytics that really took a look at people on all these other all these social networks to get a sense of who's on them and what your favorite might say about your personality um, which is I find really interesting and most of you probably out there are on at least one social network uh, as part of the study Anderson looked at only people who have used a social network at least once in the past month now um, Anderson analytics filled this study in June with about five thousand people and went in depth with about 1200 of them so I want to just take a look first at Facebook um, there are about 77 million Facebook users according to Anderson Analytics and um, Facebook users really average their level of interest in areas um, when compared with users of Twitter MySpace and LinkedIn of 45 categories only national news sports exercise travel home and garden, skewed even slightly higher than average. Um, Facebook really averaged because it has the most users, according to Anderson Analytics. These folks um, are likely to be married, they're white, they're retired, then users of other social networks, and they also have the second highest average income at 61000 And they're incredibly loyal to Facebook as well. Um, Twitter. Now, so who, who's on Twitter? What does that say about you if you're on Twitter? Well, people who use Twitter are more interested than others in many subjects, but skew high in news, restaurants, sports, politics, personal finance, and religion, according to this Ad Age article. Um, they're into pop culture, music, and movies as well. And they also are very entrepreneurial. Um, they are also more likely to be employed part-time and have an average income of $58,000. Now, if you're on MySpace, you're probably young and you're looking for fun, and it's ab absolutely the social site that skews younger. 
Um, 67 million who are still there are having a great time. But, you know, they're saying that they've gone to the site a lot less in the last six months, which is kind of interesting. Their average income is the lowest at 44000 And um, they have, on average, about 131 connections. Now, they're more likely to be black or Hispanic and users of other social network sites. Now, LinkedIn, you could probably do this profile on your own. These are the only user group with more males than females, which is interesting. And they have the highest average income at 89000 And they join the site for business or work, um, really talking about networking, job searching, that type of thing, and even recruiting. Uh, they like all kinds of news, sports, and politics. And um, they also own a lot of electronic gadgets in their own personal life. So, really insightful. Maybe you could spot yourself as one of those people. Well, I know our alpha mom certainly can spot herself in those profiles, and that's our purse profile of the day. There are 1.6 million alpha moms, average age of about 39. I can guarantee you she's on Facebook. There's a median household income of 121000 They like to keep up with fashion. They see themselves as influential trendsetters among their friends. They're confident. They're ambitious and motivated. They live in the moment and take advantage of life. And they're always looking for change, and they do value quality. They're willing to pay a little bit more for quality goods. Now, the brands they like to shop are Neiman Marcus, Ikea, Williams-Sonoma, Pier 1, Bloomingdale's. They're driving Volvo, BMW, Volkswagen, and Hondas. And the designers they like are Bobby Brown, Vera Wang, Christian Dior, Prada, and Chanel. So where can you find our Alpha Mom? Our Alpha Mom is reading a lot of magazines Wired, First for Women, Vogue, Oprah, Jane, W, Better Homes and Gardens. She's also on cable watching CNN, Style, Bravo, E, TLC, and HGTV. And, of course, she's online. We already talked about that this woman's probably on Facebook a lot. She's also on Amazon.com, CNN, eBay, Travelocity, and Netflix. Well, my guests for this program certainly know a lot about who's online and a lot about online technology. Nancy Lyon and Megan Wilker are of Clockwork Active Media Systems, and they're going to be on the show today to talk about their tech site called geekgirlsguide.com. So stick around. More purse strings when we return. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Purse strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Did you know? 99designs is a leading marketplace for graphic design on the internet. Did you know? 99designs connects you to a community of over 35,000 designers who will compete to do the best work for you. Did you know? 99designs allows you to post projects for logo design, web page design, t-shirt design, and more. Did you know? 99designs projects the average of over 70 different design options for a price that you set. 99designs. When designers compete, you win. Hey affiliates, do you find it a challenge monetizing traffic from the UK, France, or India? You need offers that will appeal to all of your visitors, no matter where they come from. AdsMarket.com has met this challenge and has turned it into a science. AdsMarket.com gets results for publishers and advertisers with a winning formula. The combination of offers, worldwide traffic, and AdsMarket's up-close and personal media management is exactly the boost needed to monetize international audiences. AdsMarket.com. The science of performance. 
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know they're SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Inboxed, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Well, welcome back to Purse Strings. Joining me today is Nancy Lyons and Megan Wilker of Clockwork Active Media Systems. And we're talking about their geekgirlsguide.com. Megan and Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's great to have you both on the program. And um, I found Geek Girls Guide to be pretty interesting. You came to my attention actually by way of a colleague at an advertising agency that had seen you speak at a function. And she said, you have absolutely got to talk to these ladies. So for everybody out there who haven't have not heard about either Clockwork or Geek Girls Guide, tell us a little bit about both. Clockwork Active Media Systems is a Minneapolis-based interactive firm. We uh, we like to say that we bring our clients to emerging technologies. So we um, are an application development company. We do uh, uh, user experience design. We also um, uh, develop uh, social media strategies and execute them, and uh, mobile strategies, and we execute on those as well. Um, the Geek Girls Guide came about because uh, Megan's the managing director of Clockwork, and I'm the president and CEO, and we are um, often interfacing with clients, um, and we find... Uh, you know, oftentimes we find that people have questions that they're afraid to ask or um, questions that they don't feel safe asking, um, especially when they're, when they're dealing with either, um, you know, a vendor situation or they're working with us as their interactive partner. Um, they don't want to sort of skew the balance in those discussions. Um, and so uh, uh, that's, you know, one situation that we found ourselves encountering a lot. We also find ourselves in professional settings where, we encounter, um, you know, oftentimes women, but it can be anyone um, who seem resistant to technology or seem overwhelmed by it to the point that it inhibits their ability to really embrace it and um, enhance their lives with it. So we decided uh, collaboratively to start the Geek Girls Guide in the hopes of sort of creating a movement of empowered women and, and really people who are generally resistant to um, technology. We wanted to create a, a safe place for people to ask questions and have dialogue around, um, you know, particularly web-based technology, but really all technology that can um, add to, uh, you know, productivity and efficiency and just really enhance um, people's ways of life. Because I don't think people look at technology that way. I think it's, you know, very much about how they work or, you um, you know how they how they produce, but they don't think about it as something that can really um, enrich their lives. Well, and you know, you talk about how um, 
there there are a lot of people out there that might just be a little bit nervous about technology and they are not early adopters and some of us have to be dragged kicking and screaming to technology um, although as a whole it seems that women have really embraced technology wholeheartedly but I imagine that you are running into women's questions um, here and there what what are some of those looming questions that you find through your work with Geek Girls Guide and Clockwork? I think one of the questions that we hear the most often is around how to integrate different technology tools into their lives. So many of us are working, we're parents, we're so busy that all of these new tools that everyone is so excited about, you know, everyone's talking now about social media and it's the the topic that everyone um, wants to discuss. And especially since, you know, Oprah did a big show about Twitter that sort of brought Twitter to a whole new level in terms of popular consciousness and popular culture and the number of celebrities using it. So between that and Facebook, which it seems like over the past year, every citizen of the United States seems to have gotten onto Facebook. There's this feeling of overwhelm. How do I deal with this additional thing? People were already overwhelmed by the number of emails they were getting. And now they're trying to deal with, okay, now I have to be on Twitter and I have to be monitoring that and I need to be on Facebook. And how am I going to juggle all of these things in addition to all the things that I already have? Um, So I think that's one of the biggest pieces of resistance that we see from people is just, I don't have the time to deal with that, or it's a waste of time. And so we do spend a lot of time talking to people about how can these tools actually make your life easier? How can you, um, for example, on Facebook, how can you use Facebook to stay in touch with the people that are important to you that we often don't have time to personally connect with in person much anymore. So how can you how can you leverage these technologies to make life better instead of making life harder and more difficult? And I think once people get into once you start to give them a framework that they can think about these tools and actually think about how they might apply them practically to their own lives, it, it becomes a little bit easier for them to understand how, how it might make life better or easier. Who wants to deal with one other thing to learn? Hey, I'm with you. I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, I um, have been resistant to joining Twitter because um, I just, I think of it as one more thing to do. And I know that it will connect me to all kinds of really cool people and I'll be open to a lot more opportunities. Intellectually, I know that. But it is kind of one of those things that you you see it as one more thing on your plate. How do you kind of cut through that and convince especially women who are so incredibly busy that it it really can work for them? I mean, how do you you show them maybe real-life examples of that happening? Well, I think earlier you made the point that women have certainly embraced technology, and I don't disagree with you there. Um, But I do think that their biggest... um, point of resistance is the fact that they're overwhelmed and I think that we tend to isolate ourselves because we get so focused on our careers and our families and our task lists and so um, I think you know one of the ways that we encourage them to, to start to embrace some of these tools is just by um, understanding them, understanding the value there and you know you mentioned earlier that you understand sort of intellectually that um, Twitter is perhaps a font of information that will add value to your life 
And that's, um, you know, being able to cite and demonstrate real-world examples of how people are tapping into resources like Twitter to not only learn, you know, what's happening in their space or hear what people are saying about their brand or, you know, educate themselves about one thing or another, but also to engage with other like-minded people who have similar life experiences that, um, you know, can help uh, uh, create connections. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, just talking about those kinds of opportunities and, and making them really available and, and demonstrating how easy they are to make um, is something that's been really successful for us. And I think that, you know, the other thing that we really encourage people to do is, be disciplined about it. You know, one thing we hear about all the time is the Facebook addiction. What if I get addicted to Facebook? And and we sort of find that funny because, you know, the reality is if you have an addictive personality, you're going to be addicted to whatever. Um, so it's not the tool. It's probably you. Um, Facebook is something that's, you know, sort of compelling because I think that there's opportunities on a professional level. There's certainly personal opportunities to connect with other people. And we always tell people it's not in instead of real life, real real connections, it's in addition to and perhaps it fosters or filters out the really valuable opportunities or the really relevant connections that might be of interest to you. And so I think just having those sorts of dialogues with um, interested humans in you know the audiences that we're fortunate enough to talk to um, has been really beneficial all the way around. And certainly for us because we see people, you know, being resistant and then we see them start to to open up to it and recognize that it doesn't have to consume a ton of time and it can add to their quality of life and they can have more connections and, you know, and certainly enhance their professional and their personal existence. I think yeah, I know you talked like before Twitter, about the merging of the business and, and personal lives online. So as you said, it's not in, instead of, it's in addition to, and we no longer can kind of um, silo us anymore. Technology is kind of forcing us to have these overlaps. And and I guess if you kind of have to change your thinking about that to understand that it actually can make things um, a little bit more smoother for you as opposed to thinking of, a, of it as a silo. So the interesting thing about Twitter is that it's one of those tools that people don't want to start using until they understand how it works. And yet, you really don't understand how it works until you start using it. So one of the things that I think we really try to do is just encourage people to try, that there's, that there's no harm in trying, and if you really decide that it's not for you and you don't want to deal with it, that it's okay to walk away from it. It's okay to have an exit strategy with any of these tools and ultimately decide that they're just not for you. But with so many of them, it's really hard to understand the value of them, and it's hard to see the value in your own life without just jumping in and trying it. And specific to Twitter, again, I think uh, there's a misconception that you have to have a Twitter account to find any value from Twitter, and there's actually ways to search Twitter for particular conversations so you can take advantage of the information that's on Twitter long before you feel like you're ready to jump in and actually start tweeting yourself. So really, one of our missions at the Geek Girls Guide is just to encourage people to get in there and try these tools and see if they like them and see what kinds of ways they can apply them to their own life to get value either personally or professionally. 
Well, and that makes a lot of sense, Megan. I think um, knowing that there's not a lot of pressure attached to these might actually um, encourage people to try it because I think we all are perfectionists, aren't we? And we all want to do everything really great. And when we raise our hand to say, I'll sign up for that, we want to be able to commit to it. But giving ourselves some permission that it we, it's okay if we don't like it, I think that's really refreshing to hear. Now, uh, we talked a little bit before about how many women are embracing a lot of things online, everywhere from gaming, actually, to social networking, to e-commerce. Do either of you see kind of a last holdout for women online? Is there an area that women just really aren't invading these days that you think might come around? You know, honestly, I think the area in which I would like to see more women participating is actually in the creation of these things. So I think as consumers, uh, women often represent a pretty high percentage of the audiences that are consuming this stuff. So on Facebook, for example, I believe it's like 60% uh, of the users on Facebook are women. And uh, you mentioned gaming. Women are a huge part of the online gaming audience. But when you look at the people that are actually developing these applications, developing these games, developing these tools, by and large, they're being developed by men. And so I would love to see more women, and part of this goes back to sort of encouraging um, the women who are coming through school to look into careers in technology, because I I would love to see women developing more of this stuff for each other versus um, consuming the the products that are being developed by men. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Megan and Nancy, we're going to talk a little bit about why some marketers are late to the social media party. More on that when Purse Strings returns in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. SEOSeek.com is your one-stop site for everything SEO. From search engine marketing to pay-per-click management, SEOSeek.com delivers high-quality SEO services at affordable prices. SEOSeek.com can help you with SEO analysis, monthly reports, title and meta tag optimization, email support, and so much more. Want to keep your SEO in-house? Let our professional trainers teach SEO to your staff. Get a free quote and a free competitive analysis today at SEOSeek.com. Does your website need a bailout? Looking for a conversion rate stimulus package? Do you need a website improvement to-do list? On Target, a subscription service from FutureNow and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7, analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it so that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash ontarget. I'm Brian Eisenberg, and I approve this message. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. Jim Hedger and Dave Davies bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Webcology. 
Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. I'm joined today by Megan Wilker and Nancy Lyons of Clockwork Active, talking about geekgirlsguide.com. And we've been talking a lot today about women and some of them being hesitant around technology, some of them embracing technology and kind of how we can overcome those fears around technology. Um, But, you know, I think women are busy. We've talked about how busy they are. And it seems like we are just getting bombarded by messages. Every time we turn around, there's another marketing message, there's another ad, there's another radio ad. Do you feel that women are open to receiving these messages online in that kind of forum? Well, I do in the sense that I think that women and audiences in general are open to conversations with companies and brands and and true engagement and relevant messages. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why so many companies now are looking to social media for what they're going to do next online because consumers are beginning to expect companies to engage with them on a much more personal level. So are we open to marketing and branding messages online? Yes. Are any of us really looking at banner ads? Not really. We're engaging with companies in a different way. So I think um, Best Buy actually has some really great examples of ways that they're engaging with both consumers and employees online. One example is they have a a website called IdeaX, and it's just a way for uh, Best Buy customers and Best Buy employees to submit ideas to the company around how they can do things better. And the last time I checked, the most popular idea was getting rid of that plastic packaging that we all hate, that you always cut yourself on when you're opening it. So it's a way for all of us as consumers to band together and lobby the companies that we purchase things from uh, for changes that we're looking for or products that we're looking for. And so I think it's a, it's a totally different way of thinking for companies and in the sense that they have to speak differently and in the sense that they're reaching a different number of people. So the old model was you put out uh, a TV ad to millions of people and maybe some small percentage of them it was actually relevant to. And I think the new model is you're engaging with a potentially smaller audience online, but it's a much more engaged and relevant audience. And so the strength of that connection and the willingness of that audience to listen to your message and do something about it, I think, is higher. But it's a really big shift for companies, and I think a lot of them are really having trouble with it, understandably. Well, and we know women are um, interested in receiving those messages, especially if they find them to be beneficial, which you would think that marketers would want to seize on that. But it seems like some marketers are still really reluctant to get on board uh, with the online bandwagon. Why do you all think that is? I I think it has to do with uh, control. I think that traditional marketers are used to having a good amount of control around message and voice, and um, and I think that they're reluctant. Um, they're they're resistant to losing that. Um, and I think you know we talk to 
uh, advertising and marketing professionals all the time about the difference between how they thought about reaching their audiences and reaching consumers before and how they're reaching them now and the reality of having to give up some of that control and how a brand isn't so much about these sort of graphic standards, but more about a voice and a story and a promise and empowering, uh, and, and people. You know, a brand is reflected in, in the people that, uh, that, that make up that brand story. And, and I think that, um, marketers are resistant to going there because they have to give up control and, and empower people to tell the story in ways that, um, you know, engage consumers and engage their audiences in conversations that, you know, we can't control. Controlling the conversation is, is, is difficult. So all we can do is support it, support the messaging, sort of set the tone, um, make the promises, and then keep the promises, but really empower people to engage in conversations that we can't control. Now, you guys live and breathe this day in and day out. So I'm going to put you on the spot, and I'm going to ask if you could look in your crystal ball a little bit and see what might be next for social media. Well, if I had to predict what the next most popular thing is going to be, my guess would be more location-aware mobile applications. Um, And there are some that are on the iPhone right now, and I think those will increase in popularity. So one example is it's essentially a a game called Foursquare, and you uh, check in at different physical locations when you are there with your phone. So on your iPhone, you launch the app, and if you're at a particular restaurant, you say, you know, you check in at that restaurant, and you can see where your friends are in relation to you, and you can see if your friends have left you any tips about that particular place. So order this dish or whatever the thing is, and you sort of earn points, and so it's a little bit of a game model where you're competing with your friends to get more points, and you get more points by being more social, essentially, out in the real world. And I just was reading an article that there are some bars in New York that are starting to um, tie into these apps a little bit. So in the the example of Foursquare, when you are the person who has checked into a particular location the most, you are the mayor of that location. And so these bars in New York City are offering free drinks to the person that is the mayor of that location. So you show them your phone that you are the mayor of that location, and then you drink for free or you eat for free or whatever it is. And there's another uh, uh, online couponing app called Yowza, And, again, it's location-aware. So I launch the app. My phone knows where I am, and it says, here are the stores that have deals nearby that you can take advantage of that are on this app. So you can get this coupon from Dairy Queen or this coupon from the Container Store. And as a consumer, how can you get more relevant than that? I'm out. I'm running errands. I want to know what is near me that I can you know, get a deal on. I want to go to a restaurant or I want to buy something. And so for marketers, it's a way, you know, search engine marketing used to be the best way to reach somebody that was looking for your product. But they were sitting in their house. So unless you could sell it online, you didn't really have a chance to make an immediate conversion. Well, now we have this opportunity as marketers to reach people out in the real world right at the moment that they're ready to buy and and right at the moment where they're reaching out saying, I'm ready to buy something. So I think that that'll be one of the next things to to start taking off. 
Well, it is a little overwhelming to think about. At the same time, very exciting about how it can really, to your point, Nancy, earlier, empower you to do more and make your life so much easier and smoother. And then, again, on the marketing side, an opportunity for them to really engage in a powerful and meaningful way, that end consumer. So we've run out of time, unfortunately. So thank you both very much for being on today. Thank you. Thank you. And um, everybody out there, if you want to know more, check out com, And you can also join their Facebook group. Thanks to George for another great show. And join me next week for another edition of Purse Strings. I'll be talking to Kimberly Vetrano of She Scribes. We'll be talking about the PR blackout around mommy blogs and the crowded blogger market. That's next Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern, right here. Until then, thanks so much for joining me today. Make it a great one. 